That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. Our guest today is Carl Fessenden. And Carl is an experienced alcohol and drug counselor. He works out in Northern California, actually not far from where I'm at. Carl is also the host of the Drunken Worm podcast and co-host of the Recovery Revolution live show. We'll get to all that here in just a couple of minutes. First, you can follow us on Instagram at That Sober Guy Podcast. Join us in our Sober Guy men's group on Locals. You can download the Locals app or go to thatsoberguypodcast.locals.com. A couple of other announcements for you. Are you tired of drinking? We have a 30-day program designed to help you quit drinking for 30 days or more. It's called Quit Drinking Dude, the ultimate men's guide to quit drinking alcohol and stay sober for 30 days or more. You can check it out right now. We're doing a... 50% off promo for the month of February. So we just got a couple weeks left on that. And then it'll go back to the original price. Uh, If you go to that, or I'm sorry, if you go to quitdrinkingdude.com and uh, you type in the promo code 50% off, you can get that there through the end of the month. And man, we've had some great feedback on, I just had a couple of emails from men who finished the 30 days and it's just been great to hear their story and how they went through. And of course, I always ask for feedback. You know, what did you like? What didn't you like? Is there things that I can do uh, differently to adjust on? And it's just been a really awesome thing. And they're posting about that. They're talking about it. And not just that, but uh, just our recovery, just dudes in general trying to stay sober in the Sober Guy Locals men's group. So if you haven't jumped in there yet, please feel free to do that. We'd love to uh, meet you and get you in there and uh, get you connected with some other dudes who are living an awesome life alcohol-free. Um, last, before we get to Carl, our new uh, men's mastermind group is going to be starting this spring and probably into the summer as well. So if you want some more information about that, if you're interested, you're like, what the heck is a mastermind group? There's a little more info for you. If you go to that soberguy.com, you can click on the mastermind groups tab. Uh, there's a questionnaire there that you can uh, fill out if you're interested and uh, I can get you some more info on that, but I'm in a, a Thursday morning mastermind group with some of my good buddies and it's just an amazing thing. It's a great place to connect, find some purpose and just build on that, um, on that purposeful life that we're trying to do and, you know, stop drinking at the same time. So, uh, everything we talk about today will be in the show notes for you. We'll make it easy for you to find. And, uh, let's get to our guest today, Carl, man, it's good to have you on the podcast, Carl, how are you? I'm good, brother. Thank you very much for having me come on today, man. It's been a, it's been a, an awesome ride doing this whole podcast and, and learning how to like be with myself in recovery and, you know, and just trying to figure everything out, man. So thank you very yeah. much. Yep. Absolutely. Dude. It was good. You had me on your show, the drunken worm podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if it's live yet. I think it's coming up. It'll go live in a yeah. little bit. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate absolutely, that. Man. Yeah, that that episode is going to be coming out uh, next week on Tuesday. Next week, nice, so, awesome, yeah, awesome, yeah. How'd you come up with the name for the podcast? I'm oh curious. man, I wanted to ask you that last time. I forgot. Yeah, so I was just looking around and trying to figure out something catchy, and so I worked 
at a uh, program called Duffy's Napa Valley Rehab, and yeah. they had this uh, this group that they named after me, which was called Carl's Corner, and they wanted to do this like whole theatrical thing where I was like wearing a smoking jacket and I had a big winged chair and I was like talking to the clients and showing movies and stuff with like a smoking pipe, you know, just like super masterpiece theater esque, and I was like, man, you know. That's a really cool name, but it didn't really fit for what I wanted like the title of the podcast to be. Mm. And so doing some research and stuff, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what is that worm at the bottom of the tequila bottle? You know? <laughs> and and what would happen if that worm were to get out and talk about recovery? And so um I just I just decided, man, the drunken worm. And so I did research and there's a bar, I think in Tennessee or somewhere, called the Drunken Worm. And, but I didn't find a podcast called the drunken worm podcast. And I was like, you know what? That's it, man. It's gotta be the, uh, the worm in the bottom of the tequila bottle. So that's, that's kind of where it originated. And then I, I, uh, did the logo and, and I wanted something clean and and classy. So yeah, man. I didn't, I didn't know that you were out at uh, Duffy's, man. We did some work with them. Uh, they sponsored a a couple of events or one event in particular that we did out at, uh, what was that in Petaluma? Uh, I always want to say the crest. Um, oh no, drawing um, blank on the name now. But yeah. uh, uh, I didn't know you were out there though. How long were you at, at Duffy's? So I I think I'm actually still employed there. Because <laughs> um, so I worked there for just over a year full time as a counselor, and then I took another job in Fairfield, and. I stayed on kind of on call with them and I've never received anything saying that they've terminated my employment. So it's on my resume, man. Like, you know, I'm going on two years now, I think. <laughs> Technically you still work. At De- okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, what kind of, what led you here, man? Let's give us a little backstory so we can get to know a little bit about your story. Yeah. Um, how'd you get here today, man? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, like I said, my name is Carl and I'm definitely an addict. Uh, my story, uh, is unique to myself and, you know, I I like to focus on a lot of the similarities in recovery. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of a backstory on how I kind of came into podcasting, how I came into recovery and what that journey was like for me. So getting out of the military and just trying to, to learn about myself. Right. Um, I was 20, 21 coming out of the military and I didn't have any direction in my life. And it was really a hard struggle for me, man. I, I worked at a, a gym for a while, two gyms doing membership sales and, you know, but I was jumping from job to job to job and bit by bit, I started going out and partying a little bit and, you know, kind of doing that weekend warrior thing. And I, and I remember the first time I tried, uh, uh, meth, which is definitely was my like drug of choice was in San Francisco in the back of this car. And, and it was all my, my, my friends were in the car and they're like, Oh yeah, you can do a bump. You can do this. You can do that. And so I tried it for the first time and man, I'll tell you what, Shane, that really just kind of like opened up the floodgates, right? And within a year, I was almost using on a regular daily basis. And what, yeah, I was going to ask real, real quick: what branch of the military were you in? Just so curious. I, United States Marine Corps. Yeah, you're welcome, nice, man. man. Yeah, awesome. 
Yeah. So, you know, so you didn't have, was there any issues with drinking or, or anything in that time? Or no. Did this like really solely start once you got home and had to kind of reacclimate to like the civilian life? Yeah. This solely started when I got home and I'll, and I'll tell you something uh, that has taken me a long time to be truthful about because I wanted to tell people, you know, there was a lot of shame on how I left the military. Uh, I was in for just under a year. I had completed basic training. I was in uh, my tech school training, which was the School of Infantry. I was training to be a mortarman, uh, you know, firing large grenades out of tubes. Uh, wow. And that's fun. Yeah. It, it, well, you would think so, right? But man, like, you know, I watched like Saving Private Ryan going into mm. this, you know, all these movies yeah. of the era, right? And I was like, oh, man, it's going to be so awesome to be a Marine and to crawl around in the dirt and to blow shit up and everything. Man, it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's nothing fun really work. about it right but yeah. um you know and so I, there was a lot of mental stuff going on for me and the truth of the matter is man i washed out of the school of infantry with some mental stuff and so the marine corps said we will make a deal with you we'll let you go and it will be like you were never in the military but you can never re-enlist in any of the branches of the service you won't be able to do any you know anything and this could be something that is going to follow you for the rest of your life yeah. and um and I I took the deal man because it it just wasn't a good fit for me you know I was ready for basic training but I wasn't ready for the real marine corps life and yeah. so um yeah, Do you so think I, there's certain people who are just who are made for that, and there's certain people who just maybe it's not it's not for them. Yeah, I I really think so because I was changing as a person, man. Like you know, I was so on edge, and like I would lay somebody out, and I'm not a violent person by any means. I I, I avoid conflict at all costs. Um, you know, and now, especially with the training that they were putting us through, like it was escalating, and I also did. Um, yeah you know, uh, Kung Fu training and stuff in, uh, high school and junior high. And so I had the martial arts background and I'm really afraid, like if I get into a physical altercation with somebody like, you know, what am I really going to do to that person? Is my training going to kick in or, you know, whatever. So I tried to avoid altercation at all costs and, and, you know, use other techniques to get through something. But man, it was, it was really scary for me. And I, I laid my, my, my good buddy out because he was adjusting my back collar and, and I laid him out on the ground, like just, just hard too. And I was like, dude, what the fuck am I doing, man? Like, this is not me. And so, um, they sent me over to psychiatrist and yeah, man. So I, to answer your question, I really do think that the military is very suitable for a lot of people, but sometimes once you get into it, you find that it's not suitable for some people. And, yeah. and I was just having to be one of those people it was not suited for military. Um, you know, and you kind of have to get reacclimated to civilian life. Um, that's where the, the meth kind of starts and take us from, you know, that point. Where does it go from there? Yeah, man. So, so it, it really took off and, and I got into the raving scene and the party scene. Um, I was dating this guy who was a, a hardcore DJ and he was like, man, we got to go to raves and stuff. And I'd never been to a rave before, man. I didn't know what, what it was all about, but it really just was like, that was like my groove, you know, cause I, I had a musical background in high school and junior high and, um, yeah, that was definitely my groove, the rave scene. And so, um, I got into DJing at raves and I actually got 
you know, um, some invites to do out of state gigs and stuff. But the drug use over the period of time just completely destroyed any opportunities I had of actually making a bigger name for myself as a DJ. And so, you know, it just progressed into this daily thing where I needed to have those drugs in order to survive life. Mm. I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing that I would look for was the, the pipe in a bag, you know, and if I didn't have that, man, I was going to stay my ass in bed. Yeah. And there were some days that I had to go to work and man, it was just awful at work, you know, didn't do anything. I just sat there the whole day and was like, you know, in my own sorrow and, and my own, you know, pity party about myself because I didn't have any drugs to get through, through the day. Yeah. So can't even function without them. Yeah, man. You know, and, and it really just made it to where I, there was just nothing in my life. And I had, I had accepted my life of being an addict, you know, I had accepted the fact that this was what my life was going to turn out to be. And I wasn't going to get anywhere in life. I wasn't going to go to college. I wasn't going to be successful. You know, both of my parents are very successful. They have master's degrees. Um, my mom worked at uh, Vacaville High School for uh, 32 years. My dad's an architect. And so, you know, there was a lot of things that I was in my own head saying that, you know, wow, who am I letting down, you know? And, and so in 2017, I was experiencing a lot of health issues. And one of the health issues that I was experiencing was um, pneumonia. And so I was going to the doctor and they were doing their x-rays and they were really trying to dive into, you know, what is going on with you and why do you, why can't we get the pneumonia out of you? So long story short, we, we ended up going back to the doctor and my doctor, I remember this so vividly, man, he sat me down and he said, Carl, you know, I think there's something else going on. I don't think you have pneumonia. I think there's something else going on with you. And Shane, at that moment, I was like, I was almost 400 pounds, you know, like the meth really, it wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing, which was keeping me thin and, and, you know, yeah. keeping me high all the time because it wasn't doing that for me anymore. This was really a maintenance program for myself. Huh. And so the doctor sat me down and he said, you know, I think uh, there's something else going on with your heart and you need to get your ass to the hospital like right now. Wow. And, and so, you know, I'm an addict, man. My first thought was, well, you know, maybe I can go home and maybe I can go get high and, and, and then I'll make it over to the hospital in a few hours, you know. Um, but, but I had to tell myself, man, you know, stop doing that because right now you are being given an out. And that out was something that I had prayed about, that I was asking God about, and that I hadn't gotten a response yet because I was so unhappy with my life. Yeah. Things weren't things weren't good for me, man. You know, living paycheck to paycheck and and working a, a job that didn't really have the opportunity to go anywhere because I had already was at the top of uh, where I was at the sports cove, which was managing the shop and you know, and I was a I was a shitty employee, man. And so I got home and I, I remember I, I went upstairs um to my room and in fact, the same room that we're recording in now, you know, and, and I, I just, I, I smoked one last bowl and I, I gathered all of my paraphernalia, all my drugs, everything up. And I decided at that point that I was done with the life. I didn't want to do it anymore. 
this lifestyle wasn't for me and I'm going to take this out. I think the biggest fear for me though was that come down. I never liked the come downs and I knew that the more and more that I used, the harder the come down was going to be. So going to the hospital for me was this kind of thing that I didn't realize was really going to help that come down for me because they were going to pump me full of IVs. Uh, they're going to you know, put me on this wonderful drug called Lasix. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Uh, it's a diuretic, and uh, you will go to the bathroom probably every 15 minutes. Ooh. So, you know, and so I checked into the hospital. I went by work, and I, I gave, um, you know, them the keys and the alarm code and, and the safe code. And, you know, these people weren't even people that worked full time for the shop. And I said, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm leaving, and you guys got to run the show for I don't know for how long. <clears throat> so sitting in the hospital there, they diagnosed me with congested heart failure. Oh, wow. And they said that my heart was um, at a 28% um, ejection uh, fraction rate, which is really low. And from there, you know, they, they kept me in the hospital for five days, man. And the crazy part is that my sponsor, who I didn't even know at the time, but the guy that I asked to be my sponsor, late, like – a month and a half or two months later, man, he was coming in and drawing blood and putting IVs in me and stuff. And so, you know, a lot of that was just my higher power kind of setting me up for success and my higher power coming in and taking control for me. But I didn't even know who my higher power was at the time. You know, I was just sitting in the hospital bed. But I lost over 60 pounds in five days in the hospital there. And that was really a uh, turning point for me because being pumped with all the medications and drugs and everything they had me on really helped flush my system. So I didn't even feel a come down. And so I really felt like I had a new start on life. I had a new start with trying to stay sober, but I still didn't know how to stay sober, man. I still didn't know like, you know, what was going on with, how to stay sober and and the resources I had. And so, you know, podcasts like yours were really something that I um, got onto right away because I wanted to hear people talking about this. I wanted to hear other addicts talking about how the hell did they stay sober? How, you know, how do we do it, man? You know, and so your podcast was actually one of the first podcasts I had ever listened to. And I was like, fuck, man, if this guy can do it, dude, I can do it. And so, you know, I just, I just kind of went into there. I started going to meetings. I went into a rehab at Kaiser, their outpatient program. And I just started following directions and following suggestions that other people that were sober were giving me. And, you know, four years later, here I am, man. And I have to tell you, I've got Cadillac problems today, brother. And I'm happy to have Cadillac problems. I don't even own a fucking Cadillac, but I'll take the Cadillac problems. You know? I, love, I love that line. I love that. Line. I heard that from a buddy of mine, Chris, uh, who lives down in Riverside. He's in the Coast Guard, actually. And yeah. he, he said that one day. I heard. I, I think he heard it at a meeting. I said, man, I love that. I'm a Cadillac guy. I used to have an 83 sedan to build. <laughs> nice. So I love some Cadillacs. And then you, you got it right, though. That's that's on point. We definitely got Cadillac problems today. Yeah, man. Uh, versus, you know, four years ago for you, eight and yeah. a half for me. Man, dude. So what's, what, I mean, what's life like today? And let's talk a little bit about that. And then we'll yeah. talk a little bit about the podcast and my, my apologies. I, I'm having some weird <clears throat> tech issues today. Yeah, no All worries, of a sudden man. as you were going through, 
my browser dropped out, my audio turned off. So a hey, serenity prayer it up like you. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. Brother. Yeah. Um, you know, life isn't perfect today, man. And I think this podcast and this um, stream is a perfect example of how <laughs> imperfect life can be, but how we react to situations in life now where we don't have to lose control and we don't have to lose focus on the end goal, which is for us right now, which is recording. Right. But you know, I mean, man, before, if that had happened to me, dude, I would be punching my computer. I'd be like, why the fuck aren't you working, you know, and all this other bullshit, man, because I had such rage in myself. I didn't understand that, you know, if you just calm down and you work the problem through, you know, hopefully it's going to resolve itself. And if it doesn't, that's okay. It's okay if it doesn't resolve itself, man. That's so, like learning learning how to respond to things versus the reacting to things, and, right. and then also understanding that, like, life is is not on Shane Raymer's terms. Sometimes it's not on <laughs> Carl's terms. Sometimes it's on life's terms. So right? we got to learn how to just roll with it and not, you know, lose our minds when it doesn't go our way. Yeah, um, and it's tough to do. And and for me, you know, I've done a lot of that with twelve step work, sponsor mm-hmm. work group work um work in the in the books and the word of god like i mean man yeah it's it's been a a long process and it's going to continue to be that i think as long as we're growing though let me well let me ask you that would you agree on this um like you see a lot of dudes who we get to a point where um you know we lose that like childlike spirit because mm-hmm. we get jobs and we get responsibilities, we get families, we get kids, Yeah, you know, we get work, we have all the things we got to do. And then it's like, we stop growing. We stop having the ability to, to be teachable, to right. grow, to learn. And that's where I see a lot of dudes get stuck. And then what's an easy outlet for that alcohol drugs, because then we don't have to deal with that shit. You yeah. know? So that's a good, I mean, do you have any, any thoughts on that or comments on that? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, just just the whole idea that, you know, we, we have to learn how to react to ourselves, right? Because I think that we are our own worst enemy when it comes to the way that we see ourselves, the way that we perceive other people perceiving us, you know? And so all of these things, uh, for me, took a lot of time to learn that if, if I first thought wrong, right? If you've ever heard the comedian Mark L., uh, you know, his his key tagline is first thought wrong and probably your second thought wrong. And that definitely applies to me, man. Um, my friend Pat uh, over in uh, one of the programs talked about the fact that if if they could dive inside of his mind with all the crazy shit that goes on, man, he would be locked up in jail. And I can totally like agree with that, man, because all the thoughts that I have before I make my reaction to something is like, yeah, definitely not doing that one. That would give me like 20 years, right? You know, and so I go through this whole like process, but it helps me because it really allows me to take the time to come up with the best logical decision that I hopefully isn't going to have big repercussions for me. And you know what, Shane? Sometimes it does, man. And, you know, but that's okay too because it's a learning experience. Part of being in recovery is, is working a program of honesty and truth. 
And that's something that I really had to grab onto in early recovery because my program of honesty and truth in addiction was, you know, I'm going to do everything I can for myself. I'm going to lie to you every possible chance I get. And I had to carry all these masks with me to make it seem like, you know, everything was okay because I didn't want the world to perceive that I was an addict. I didn't want the world to perceive that I had problems. I didn't want the world to perceive that I had money issues. So it was all of these masks and it was like being a chameleon, depending on what group that I had to get into. You know, if I was going to a group with like all of these like military guys, man, I'm going to speak their jargon. I'm going to speak their lingo. Right. If I'm going to a rave, I'm going to speak their jargon. I'm going to speak their lingo. Right. And so this chameleon that I had to become and the truth that I was hiding behind, man, it's so freeing when you have the opportunity now to be like, hey, this is who I am. And if you guys like it, cool. If not, that's okay too, man. Because I'm not going to change for somebody, you know. I I would say, and I I love that, the the freedom aspect of that. Like I didn't really start to to get to know who I was till I was 32 and gave up alcohol. I had no idea. I was completely lost. Like I I was just numb to everything. And you talk about the masks and the, the chameleon aspect um, you know, that many of us struggle with because we're too insecure too you know, self-worth is at a bottom. Um, and so we feel like we have to put on this facade just to fit in and, and to, uh, to be, you know, recognized or, or wanted. Um, and, and the, the relief and the freedom of not having to live like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Man, I look back now and I'm like, man, that was such a hard way to live. Like it was, yeah. it, it was, it was a lot of work versus, you know, and this is a lot of work too, but it's, it's a, it's a much better work and it's a lot easier to, to just do my best to be honest and, and to grow and to learn and to, um, learn how to have fun too. Like I was talking about this in a meeting yesterday. I don't know if you've heard rule 62, like don't take yourself so damn serious. Like it's one of my favorites, man. Yeah. Just chill out. Yeah. Chill out and have fun, man, because that's what life is all about. Right. Mm -hmm. We get the opportunity to have fun. So, you know, uh, yesterday was was stressful for me, and it was one of these times where I called my friend Brett, who is a co-host on the Recovery Revolution Live with me, and I was telling him about my day, and that's when I mentioned to him I've got Cadillac problems, man, because yes. I was like, dude, you know, I, I had to lay the law down with a client at work, and they didn't like it, and so that didn't feel good, right, because I, I'm, I'm kind of a passive person in nature, but working in this industry, you have to be able to have those boundaries with the clients, uh, the boundaries with staff, and then your own personal stuff. And you have to be able to um, compartmentalize a lot of that so that they don't kind of overlap with each other. And, you know, when I was running through all these things that happened to me, um, my bank card, I had to cancel my bank card. So now I've got to like reassign all my bills to this bank card. And, you know, and I'm like, man, I just did that too. And so, um, you know, all these things that would have like spiraled my day out of control mm. and made it just where like, man, just, I was like mad at the world, you know, yeah. man, it just Cadillac problems, brother. And I'll take Cadillac. <laughs> pro- I'll even take Jaguar problems, man. You know, <laughs> I talked to my neighbor and, and he said, um, and I, I, cause he has, he had two Jags at the time. And I, I, I went up to him. I was pretty young at the time. And I said, Hey Lou, what, what's what how much do you pay in gas in these things and he said you know what man if you own a jaguar you're not worried about the price of gas yeah (laughs) and if you own a jaguar you're not worried about the jaguar leaking oil all over the fucking place because it's going to happen and it just means that you just got jaguar problems i was like wow 
I wonder what like 87 Pinto problems look like or 79 Chevy love problems. Dude, I did, I did auto shop (laughs) and we put a V8 and a Pinto in auto shop. Oh, no way. We had to put it in the back. No. Oh, you had to put the engine in the back? Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) Wow. You got plenty of space back there with that. Yeah. Right. Man, it was like we had half the engine in the front and half the engine in the back because the car is so small. I don't know if they ever got that car running, but it was a lot of fun to like to work on when we were in class and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. You still work on cars or anything? No, no, no. no, I I got working on a golf cart right now. I yeah, I heard, man. Is that like so? Because you live over in Vacaville, and you, I, I think I know the area that you live in because my sponsor lives over there. And do you guys go to the um, baseball diamonds that are over by where you live, uh, over by the Nugget? Is that where you're going? And and, and that's exactly why we got the golf cart because you know we're going to be spending a lot of time out there now and probably into the next few years as as cash gets older and continues to play if he if he still plays baseball which i assume he will i'm not going to force him to of course but uh, he seems to be having fun um and so yeah so now you know we're right on we're right near the trail back there Mm -hmm. so now we can hop on the golf cart and just cruise back to the trail but nice you know go to go to practice go to the games go to the snack bar and then and then come back home nice um but it's fun i didn't know that like golf karting was like a thing. Like I found this website, oh, yeah, uh, golf, I think it's golfcartstuff.com. They're yeah. like out in Indiana. And dude, you can order like, like I ordered some rims and tires yesterday for it. I ordered <laughs> like, um, I ordered a back seat kit for it, some yeah, lights. Yeah. And then I think we'll paint it and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll mess around with it a little bit, make it fun. And oh, it's yeah, a good dude. time, man. It's a good little project. Dude, if you, so if you ever get a chance, go over to, um, uh, Rio Vista. Oh, what's that golf mm-hmm. course over there, dude? All oh, trilogy. The, yeah, trilogy. All the yeah. guys that belong to the club over there, they all uh-huh. got these like tricked out golf carts. It's crazy, <laughs> man. I'm like, what are yeah. you guys doing? Are you put forty twos on that, man? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me because I think trilogy is a retirement community. It is. And so dude. it's probably all them old cats out there. And I mean, old respectfully, like yeah, retired, yeah, yeah. paid your dues, like you're you're doing your thing, and then you got a little extra bread on the side. Damn, I'm right? about to dump it in and just make this like golf cart that's amazing. It yeah, so like they even have like a sliding door where it like just slides open so that you can close it off if it's cold and stuff. And I'm like, oh wow, dude, that's baller. Because yeah, right it gets there. windy out there. That's yeah. probably oh, what that's does. for. It's windy it does, man. I like it. that. That course has gotten a lot better, man. They've re they've redone the whole course. It looks amazing now. Really? I haven't yeah. played out there in a couple of years, so I'll have to check it out. Yeah. If, yeah. if you can catch it on a day when it's not windy, it's it's really a, a great course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, how many it's how many analogies do you think, bro, with between golf and like life and recovery? I mean, I think about that often. Like how many times we fail mm-hmm. but yet we still play. Yeah. How many bad shots we have, but yet we still play because we get a couple of those good ones and they keep us going. You yeah. Know? A lot of uh, application there, I think, to staying sober. Absolutely, man. And you know, it's interesting you say that because when I start got back into golf, because I had stopped playing golf during almost my whole time in addiction, which was 17 yeah. years. And I grew up playing golf down in Pebble Beach. Um, grandparents belonged to the country club down there. And so I was driving a golf cart by the time I was like five years old. I couldn't even reach the pedals, but I'd sit on my grandmother's lap and she'd let me steer and stuff. And, and you know, and it was that community that I, I really like grasped onto and learned how to play golf and stuff. And so when I got back into it, I really found that these the calm that I get from playing golf and the 
ability to calm myself now in life really tie in together, man, because before, like, if you make a bad shot, you can have that whole thing, like, ruin your whole game. Mm -hmm. And my buddy Rick um, says it the best, man. He says, you know, we're playing one hole at a time. Yeah. And after you're done with that hole, you got to wipe it clean, man, because, or even one shot at a time, you know, and so... That really helped me kind of like bring it into focus and also paint the picture, man. I really like painting the picture, uh, you know, with life and seeing my goals and seeing what I need to do to make those happen. And then also with golf, the same thing, right? Because we have to paint the picture to see our shot before we hit it. So yeah, you're kind of, vi- you're visualizing that, yeah, um, man. You're, you're visualizing that next shot, the where, where your ball's going to lie. Um, you know, and same thing with our days. Like I'm trying yeah. to look, it's funny though, because there has to be a balance there. Like you're trying to look ahead, you're trying to plan, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we got to stay in the moment and just put one foot in front of the other. So it's a little bit of a balancing act. I feel like, yeah. And I feel like just being aware of that is probably the best step first. You know, yeah. Um, one uh, one one thing I could talk golf all day. By the way, too, <laughs> I know we're gonna hit some. We're gonna hit some golf up here soon. Nice. Uh, you know, maybe get out to Rancho or something, which I'm looking forward to. But. Um, one thing I was interested in hearing a little bit about is the work that you're doing at, um, is it a sober house or is it a recovery center now? Yeah, I, so I, it's, it's the house of acts. We're in Vallejo, California. Nice. Uh, right now we are funded, uh, through the geo program, which is a reentry program for, um, offenders. So coming out of jail or if they're on probation or parole and they need to get into a substance abuse program, uh, their probation or parole officer or agent can refer them over to the GEO program and then the GEO program funds them. And they'll, they'll do like they can do up to 120 days funding if if it's needed. And then after that, the GEO program will even fund them in going into an SLE. So that oh, they wow. have that sober living environment. So it's really and also getting into um, an outpatient treatment program, too. So yeah. right now we are a residential treatment program. We have 25 beds and we are working on getting our drug medical funding up and going. Uh, we're just kind of we've submitted everything and now we're just kind of waiting for them to say, yeah, you guys are good to go. It's going to be good. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a really good program. It can be up to a 90 day program. And then we have, uh, housing arrangements for them afterwards. And then we also have the hidden treasures boutique in Vallejo, which is uh, 1010 Tennessee street. And that is tied in through the house of acts and they do a lot of community and recovery work. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, work within the, uh, community of Vallejo and it's also a, um, proud, um, a black, uh, owned uh, business and so you know Amazing, just with, it tied in with the um with the black community and the african-american community as well huge ties into that they've been around for over 30 years wow. so so yeah and and so i was born at kaiser in vallejo obviously okay. i've mean, been in fairfield back of pretty much my whole life but yeah, yeah. my family you know was at mare island out there mm-hmm. so i've been in that area and familiar with vallejo for you know my whole life um, and I, I love, I also worked out there too, as a courier at one point mm-hmm. back in the day. So I was zipping around all nice. in it. And, uh, it, it, I love being by the water out there too. Yeah. It's a great, great little spot. Um, if there's ever anything I can help with, man, please, please let me know. Yeah, um, absolutely, I, love, man. I love the work you're doing there. The, the facility sounds awesome. And a shout out to all the, all the dudes out there who are doing their thing and getting their life back on track, man. I think that's amazing. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll have to have you come out and uh, and do a little uh, group with them or something. And, and you I'd know, love can, that. I'd love we that. Can, you can share your story and and uh, you know, it's man, it's such a family run operation. You know, it's yeah. Because I've done the corporate thing. Like Duffy's is definitely corporate. It's owned by Acadia Healthcare, which is a yeah. huge conglomerate within the recovery healthcare community. And going into this was like going back to the Sports Cove, man, where it was like mom and pop. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it was just so refreshing to come into that. And, you know, like yesterday I spent my, spent my entire day just typing out forms and creating forms off of like their old forms, which were like those old, do you remember those old Xeroxers that was like that drum that it would just shoot them out and it made this really loud, like banging sound. I don't know that I would go over to Vacaville high school and sit in my mom's office and they would make copies. I don't uh-huh. think it was a Xeroxer. I think it was a, a different type of machine. But I still remember that sound of this copier yeah. just, you know, just cranking out copies. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, but but that's but that's what it's all about for me is is getting into doing, uh, you know, that type of work and helping these companies that might not have some of the technical know how to bring them into the twentieth or twenty first century. And yeah. uh, you know, we have a computer lab out there for the guys, so we teach them. Um, uh, job skills and we help them with their resume writing and we teach them, uh, you know, computer skills so that when they go to a job, they can actually say, yeah, you know, I have some skills in word or I have some skills in Excel, um, yeah. you know, or, um, well, yeah, that that's, that's such a good point because it's such a different game right now trying to get a job. Like I remember, like I used to work at Ralph's. Yeah. Grocery. And I remember going in, you know, and, and I, I did what I only knew. I like, I put, I put some nice pants on and a button up shirt. And I mm-hmm. went in and I said, Hey, excuse me. My name's Shane. Can I speak to the manager, please? And the manager came out and I said, Hey, how you doing? My name's Shane Raymer. And I'm really interested in working here. Here's my application. Like th- that doesn't today people don't, I mean, it's very rare. I'm sure it happens here and there. Uh, maybe in some other States even too, right. more like more localized um, yeah. uh, mom and pop type shops, but on a large scale, that's just not how the job market works anymore. Like no. everything is online. You got to do a resume. You got to know word. You got to right. know how to type. You have to know how to navigate around. And so those skills, man, are so valuable. And not, I think that's great that you guys are teaching them those, those skills. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so invaluable because we get a lot of people that are incarcerated too. And so, you yeah. know, if they've spent 10 years of their life um, incarcerated and now they're coming out into a program man, you, you got to think 10 years ago, where was technology 10 years ago for yeah, us? Totally different. Totally, totally different. different. Dude, technology five years ago was totally different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, speaking of that, I'm going back to my flip phone. I'm over the, are you? <laughs> I'll, I, I'll I, did, you. I did an experiment a while back and I lasted like three months and it was great. <laughs> it's hard, man. You know, doing the work that yeah. I do, it's like, right we're on the apps and stuff we're so tied into technology man especially with the digital podcasting and streaming and all these things right all those digital platforms where we send the message out about what we're doing to help the recovery community um is so vital man you know and but but was it that way for you when you first started podcasting because you've been podcasting now for seven years let's see i launched sober guy in April of 2014. Okay. So somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. But no, I mean, I kind of jumped in on the second wave of like the, so first it was like Adam Carolla and 
Joe Rogan, like early 2009, 2008. Yeah. And then it was kind of like it was established. And then in like 2013 and 2014, I feel like it started to like gain a little bit of momentum. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I caught the bug for it. Yeah. I listened to my first podcast and then I just, there wasn't a lot of recovery podcasts out there. And so, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to start one and just, you know, share and let other people share. So yeah, yeah, that's, it's kind of fun, man. So yeah, let's, let's actually, let's get into that a little bit. So you, you know, you got into it, um, you know, started the drunken worm podcast and what's that been like? How is that? How does that help your sobriety? Like, do you enjoy yeah. doing it? Like, give us a rundown. Dude, I love doing it, man, because it's really like this is for me. I went into this not knowing if anyone was even going to listen to my show. You know, am I going to have a following at all? And, you know, today I can look at it and say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really doing some stuff. But when I got started, man, it was and during the pandemic. So we've we've been a live podcast now for six months. And I was looking nice. at some of the stats that um on on here. So I'm going to just kind of glance down at my screen. Um, I don't normally like doing this when I'm on shows, but I wanted to give you some of the stats that we had. So um, so we started April uh, 31st was our first uh episode and the other day man i went back and i listened to that episode and i have to say like it's it actually was like pretty well put together it's it's different now but you know i don't know if you've ever gone back and listened to your very first episode i tried i turned it off in about 10 (laughs) seconds (laughs) i couldn't do it but you know it's not because it was bad so much but it's hard to listen to yourself you know oh it really is man it really is so um so we started April 31st uh, last year, and I was listening to this this entrepreneur, um, social media influencer, and YouTuber uh, named uh, by the name of Pat Flynn, and he was talking about how to start a podcast. And ever since I heard your podcast, I was like, man, I could really get into that because I have the, the technical knowledge with DJing, and I went to Diablo Valley College, and I took some sound classes there and was you know doing that type of stuff and so i had a lot of the technical knowledge of you know what do i need to get to have a professional sounding podcast what type of mics should i do but youtube has really been a really good resource for me because it has allowed me to do all the research that i need so if i buy a new piece of gear man i'm on youtube watching videos i'm i'm on youtube watching listening to other people to talk about comparisons and actually using the devices for the comparison to see how their voice sounds so he he suggested that we get I get the first 20 episodes lined up. And so I had an idea of it, but you know, I was like shooting for the stars, man. You know, I'm like, yeah, we're going to get like, you know, big names on here. And, and, but then I also wanted to focus on the little people too, that were working in the recovery community to talk about the industry itself here in California for the professionals. And so my first guest on was uh, Dr. Yusuf Amanawi. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about how to help people when they're in crisis mode and what that would look like for them, what that looks like for the other people on the receiving end, you know, seeing somebody go through that. And so I just started doing it, man. And, uh, we're up to episode, you're going to be episode, what episode are you going to be on? Uh, we're up to episode 29 on the podcast thing, but I was doing a little like intro episodes. And so. I don't really consider those to be uh, there, but so in six months we have currently have 
let's see, all time. Here we go. So we've almost hit 3,000 downloads in six months. And That's each awesome, episode man. right now is averaging about 300 downloads. And uh, I've started co-hosting another show with the Recovery Revolution uh, Facebook group. It's Recovery Revolution 100. And we do a show called Recovery Revolution Live every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on nice. uh, YouTube. And that has really opened a lot of doors for me. And so I even pulled my podcast off, RSS feed off of my uh, Facebook group page and I put it onto their page and that really helped kind of boost my numbers up and, and really get a lot of exposure. So, you know, for me, podcasting really has, has been this anchor for me that has kept me involved with the recovery community. It's allowed me to network and meet people that I never would probably have gotten to meet had I not gotten into podcasting. Yeah. And I love podcasting, man. It's like, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it just gives me a lot of freedom. You know, it does. It does. And I just encourage you, man, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, one, we go back to the golf analogy, the life analogy, now the podcast analogy, like one, one episode at a time. Yeah. One, we're helping one person at a time, you know, and, um, you know, regardless of, of the, I mean, we all look at the downloads at some point or or another. I mean, I, I, I look at them occasionally myself and I always try to come back though, to remembering, like why I do this mm-hmm. number one, because I have fun, just like you said too, you have fun doing it. You enjoy it. You have a music background as do I. Yeah. So it's something that has always interested me just being in media and, um, and of course, um, just production that kind of thing, but just being able to share and communicate and allow other people to share on a platform. Um, it's so, it's, it's so empowering for people and, and it's just in, in a sense where we get, we get to talk about mm-hmm. things. I mean, just talking about things, getting them out is such a huge, um, you know, it's such a huge part of being able to stay the path, I guess, you yeah. know, and ride out the lows, you know, right. and enjoy the highs at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and podcasting, man, it's, it's, it's opened up so many doors for people to learn right. and to grow and to connect. And that's one of the, my favorite things of, of feedback that I get, I, I just had an email the other day where the guy said, you know, I just, I really enjoy the podcast because I feel like I'm part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just hanging out, man. And that's just, that's a cool thing. Yeah. And I remember feeling like that when I listened to the new man with Trip Lanier, like back uh-huh. in the day when that inspired me to start sober guy. I just remember sitting there and I felt like trip was like my buddy, you know what I mean? I was like, dude, this dude's awesome. Like he's like, I just related to so many things and it was very inspiring, man. So we get opportunities to inspire others, man. You can't really ask for anything more, dude. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. You know, and, and like, like I said, when I first started the podcast, if I can just reach one person, dude, I feel like I've, I've done my job. I feel like, you know, I have had a successful episode. If I can reach one person, and, uh, you know, but, but now I see that I'm reaching a lot more people and it just feels really good that, you know, we have a platform where we can help other people share their stories. We can bring, uh, topics to life that need to be discussed. And we have this ability to reach people just outside of our regular recovery community of Solano County for both of us. But now we have this opportunity to reach more people globally. Uh, and it, it just really feels good, man. And yeah. I'm, I, this has been a wild ride for six months and I'm so excited to see where it's going to take me. 
Well, good stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on today. Um, yeah. Before we wrap up, where can folks best find you? Do you have any projects you're working on? Where could folks reach out if they want to get more info? Absolutely, man. So uh, you can find us at thedrunkenwormpodcast.com and make sure that you're putting in the whole thing, uh, not the drunken worm. Some people were doing that and they weren't able to find it. Uh, we also have a GoFundMe that I just started over the weekend, and that is basically a project that we're doing so that when we're doing our live streams, we're going to be creating a whole studio effect and a nice backdrop and everything. So if you guys want to support the show and support that project that we have coming up so that we can share even more recovery with you guys and in a different video format and have it look professional and, and everything, uh, you can go to the GoFundMe. And uh, Shane, uh, you're going to have those links in the show note below. And um, yeah, so you can also find us on uh, Instagram at TWD underscore podcast. And the Facebook group page is the Drunken Worm Podcast. I have episodes that air every Tuesday for the Drunken Worm Podcast. And if you want to catch our Recovery Revolution live show, that is going to air every Thursday live on YouTube at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Awesome. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Carl, thanks for coming on the podcast today, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Share the podcast with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Check out the locals app or sober guy men's group is on there as well. If you're tired of drinking, check out quitdrinkingdude.com. Lots of good resources there as well as at soberguy.com. Love you guys. Peace, love, and respect to keep your blood clean. With your-